If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. At participating McDonald's. Everyone deserves a chance in the driver's seat. For GM and Revolt, that means leading the way on the road to an all-electric future and envisioning a world with zero crashes, zero tailpipe emissions, and zero congestion. GM's committed to making EVs accessible for everybody. That means you too. So what are you waiting for? GM's got the keys. You grab the wheel. Learn more about an all-electric future and the 000 initiative at GM.com. GM, everybody in. There's no purpose in teaching anybody who don't really want to learn, who really don't want to get to it. Everybody want to play entrepreneur. They don't want the sacrifice that come with this shit. Hmm. True. Late nights, early mornings. You're going to lose friends, lose girlfriends, family going to call you crazy, not going to believe in you, then you make it, and then everybody going to be like, I'm proud of you, let me get some money. What I've realized that wealthy people understand, mm-hmm. and people in general, is the small concepts that you can apply to get wealthy. You don't got to be super smart and got to know all the intricacies of real estate or taxes or e-commerce or whatever, trucking, whatever yeah, it is. It's good if you want to be rich in that business, but yeah. you don't need to know that. You don't need to know everything. You just need to know small, basic concepts. Mm-hmm. And one of the smallest basic concepts that anybody can understand is get money by income. Mm. Get money by more money. I woke up feeling wealthy today. My bank account might not agree, but hey, that shit on the way. Me and my niggas laying brick on top of brick till we straight. If you the type that play the victim, you can't come in my space. You know this game ain't for the weak, it's hard to carry this weight. I keep my balance through the ups and downs, I'm never gonna break. You feel the purpose in my spirit when you look in my face. Cause this ain't a second, I can waste something food on place. What's up, wealthy people? We know y'all been asking us, when y'all coming to the DMV? When y'all coming up north? Well, I got great news. We're going to be gracing the stage in Norfolk, Virginia, November 10th through the 12th at Black Diamond Weekend. We're going to be speaking about building wealth and how you can leave a legacy. We're also going to be speaking about how you can create a six-figure online brand the same way that we did. So make sure you get your tickets and tap in today. I'll see you next week. Peace. What's up, y'all? It's your boy Jalen with Black Wealth Renaissance. Here at InvestFest 2022, day two, we have the legendary real estate developer, Mr. R. Donahue Peoples. How you doing, Mr. Peoples? I'm doing great, man. I just want to give you your flowers on camera. I just want to say thank you for everything that you've done. Once again, you've been an integral part of our brand and really just us learning and understanding about the importance of owning, owning real estate. Uh, so I kind of have a few questions for you. One is, what was that thing that made you say, okay, I want to get into real estate? I know you got your journey started at, what, 25? No, I start, so I started my company at 23. I, mm-hmm. I got into the, I started working in real estate at 19. Okay. And full time. And I got exposed to it by my mother. My mother was a real estate broker and then worked in, in Fannie Mae and then was an appraiser. She was like an entrepreneur, you know, running, against, running up against all these headwinds that uh, black women, you know, run up against today and even more of them back then mm-hmm. in the 1970s. And so that's how I got into it. And then when I decided to get into it, I wanted to ultimately have a place where I was at the top of the food chain where I could make the decisions on who got opportunities. 
So is that how you decided to be a developer instead yeah. of a strict investor? Yep. And you learned that from your mom? I did. I learned it from my mother and then learned and you know from being in the real estate business and being in the mix, you know, how to do it and you know where, you know, I could make the biggest impact. And can you explain the difference between a developer and a solely investor? Yeah, an investor is normally a passive um, um, activity. So you're buying an existing apartment building or office building or hotel or house or, and you're getting income from that by renting it out. Or you're investing with someone who is a developer or an entrepreneur and you're passive as an investor with them. As a developer, you're creating. So you're buying land mm -hmm. and creating and visualizing a building, putting the team together, and then creating um, that vision and then making that vision a reality. And that normally is new construction, but it can be buying an existing building and renovating it. It can be buying a house and renovating it um, and then selling it. Uh, so, but it's a creator and it's kind of a producer and a director, if you will, of real estate. Mm, great answer. Thank you so much sure. for that. So I want to ask you, you got your start many years ago. What type of hurdles did you have to overcome being a black man in this space? I mean, well, I mean, where, where my opportunities were more narrow. Mm -hmm. But I, got, I mean, I grew up in a great time to be a young black man. I grew up in, the, I was born in 1960, so I was an adult in 1978. And so what started happening is we were electing black mayors. Mm. Maynard Jackson was, became mayor of Atlanta, for example, in 1974. Barry became mayor of Washington, D.C. in 1978. You had, you know, uh, uh, Bradley, Tom Bradley in L.A. You had Harold Washington in Chicago. What, so what happened is these black mayors, many of them came through the civil rights movement. Mm -hmm. So they were hyper-focused on economic empowerment for black businesses. Mm -hmm. So what happened is I got the benefit of that. So when I got into to real estate, I knew that the government in D.C., led by the mayor and then a majority blacks, uh, city council, that they were focused on economic empowerment for people like me. So I knew that was the place that I would get my opportunity. Mm -hmm. And so I learned how to do business with the government and learned how to navigate that process. And that's how I got started. And if I had not been around, if I'd been born 10 years later, I don't think I'd have been in the place I am today. It was without question having these black mayors and black members of Congress who had all come through the civil rights movement focusing on economic empowerment as the next chapter of the civil rights movement. Um, and then all that changed, um, you know, um, when they dismantled the, you know, the courts dismantled mm -hmm. the, you know, minority contracting programs and the, uh, then the next wave of uh, uh, politicians became more, you know, distant from the civil rights struggle. I got you. And since then, do you still have tips for anybody who wants to become a developer, how they can work with the government? Just one quick tip. Yeah, I, I mean, first of all, there's, there, this is a time of great opportunity. Mm -hmm. And so while it's going to be difficult, nothing's easy worth having. So normally it's going to have a, you're going to have to fight for it, you're going to have to work for it. So I would look for opportunities where you can do business with the government by simply buying a house or doing a small apartment building and, and renting them as affordable housing or housing vouchers, for example, or buying land from the government, buying abandoned homes from the government and redoing those. So the first thing you have to do is wherever you live and wherever you're doing business, register online with the different government contracting 
agencies and housing agencies, so they will send you information on any kind of solicitation. Hmm. And then you can filter through which one works for you. And the other thing, the most important thing, is to just start doing deals. Hmm. And to pick a deal that you feel that's reasonable that you can actually get done, um, but it doesn't have to be tiny, and it shouldn't be gigantic if it's your first one, but it can be sizable. And uh, just like what I started was my first deal was a $10 million um, office building that I developed. Hmm. So can you, this is going to be second to last question. Can you tell me what was the biggest lesson you learned from that deal? Biggest lesson from, I mean, uh, I, I had to pl uh, operate within a double standard. There was another developer who was going to develop that site who had it rigged, um, white developer, and they were going to lease it to the city for $22.50 a square foot triple net. So hmm. the rent was $22.50 per square foot times the number of square feet they would rent. And I made a deal at 1875. So I accepted the double standard. And so the lesson was not to accept the double standard. And you. so as I, as I grew our company, I became less willing to accept this double standard. I should have been able to lease it to the government at $22.50 a foot, just like they did. Mm -hmm. And so that was one of the big lessons I learned from that deal. But the other thing was, is the power of partnerships. And also knowing what's valuable. It's not having the money that's valuable, it's having the deal. There's more money out here chasing investment mm. opportunities than there are deals. So with a good deal, you can find the money for it. Thank you for that. And last question is for anyone who's getting on this journey building wealth, what would be your number one financial principle or tip that you can give to them? I mean, you gotta focus on growing the business. And so putting your money into growing the business and, and saving some, you know, for a rainy day, but putting pretty much what you've got into the business, because ultimately you can um, spend your money on other things later. I didn't take a vacation for almost eight years when I started in the business mm. because I was hyper-focused on putting all my money in the business. Um, and you can even take someone like Elon Musk, who's considered the richest person in the world right now, um, about five years or so ago, he was struggling to try to figure out how to keep funding SpaceX and how to cover his stock options um, for Tesla. So he started selling his homes and he had about $30 million left. And he was told by his advisors he had to pick one, one of the two companies to, to su support. He made the decision to, to, to put money in both of them and uh, sold some assets, but he kept focusing on putting the money into the business. And that's where you got to put your money. If you want to grow, put your money back into your business because the best place to invest is yourself. If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. Bada -ba -ba -ba. At participating McDonald's. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details. 
and we got Miss Lovely Shaquana Brooks, aka Miss Business, Hello. a Black Wealth Renaissance OG. How you doing? Yes, I've been around for a while. I'm good. I'm good. It's good to finally meet you, finally actually see you. I can't believe this is the first time I actually met him in person. You're like, I know. Yeah, it was like yesterday, but you know. It was yesterday, but I was like, this is the first time we met each other in person because we talked so much I know. that I felt like I knew you already. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. So I, I want to get right into it. We got a few questions, right? Okay. So first question: As a business owner and as an investor, what has been your worst investment today? My worst investment? I don't know if I really have a worst investment. I don't have losses. I have lessons. Okay, and that was right? the reason why I asked that. So yeah, what was your biggest I have lesson? Lessons. Um, my biggest lesson was, um, and I always say this: not firing people quick enough. Mm. Right? Can you expound upon that? Absolutely. So as a boss, everything falls on you. Everything is your fault and mm -hmm. everything is an expense. Mm -hmm. Right? So, the, you, you know, you hire people, you start, out, you start feeling sorry for them. No, it's okay. They'll get it. But guess what? You're paying for it in service to your clients. You're paying for it in reviews. You're paying for it in, you know, all these other ways. And you don't realize it because you just want to hold on to that person. Mm -hmm. You have to understand when to let go and you have to fire fast and that's important. So that would be my lesson. Okay, so what are some questions that you now ask to qualify good help? Oh, I don't even hire people anymore okay. by myself because I'm too nice. I just want to hire everybody. <laughs> so that's another lesson. Hire who needs to who you need to hire. I now have an HR rep mm -hmm. and my HR rep does all the hiring. I'm not even a part of the interview process. They'll come to me and say, this is the people that we are considering. I'll say okay or no, and that's it. I do not, um, yeah, no, I don't, I don't get involved. I'm too nice. I love I'm too it. nice. I want to hire everybody. I love <laughs> it. So I got another question. This is specifically for you. Mm -hmm. Being someone who, you know, you're very active on social, mm -hmm. but you're also CEO and a business owner. Mm -hmm. How do you balance those two? Oh, my God. There is no balance. I had, I had to hire people. I have to hire people so like I have a brand manager I have a um, I have so I have a brand manager I have someone else that does my content um, I have uh, an admin so it's like it really is a situation where I have to hire people and I still I'm still not like super super consistent how I would like to be on social because you know tax season is my peak season mm -hmm. so when tax season comes I'm like oh my god oh you want me to go live uh, but What's happening in my office is more important, right? So I am by nature a background person. I like to just put my head down and work. So I struggle a lot with being on social media because I'm like, but the real work and what really matters is here. Not saying that social doesn't matter, but if I have to then serve my client versus going live to get new clients, no, I need to service the clients that I have. So, you know, it, it's a battle because, you know, social is there to build your mm -hmm. business, but then, you know, you have your business on the back end. So for me, it really is a situation where I have two businesses. I have my social media business and I have, you know, my business that, you know, my, my Brooks Alliance, my tax and accounting company. But to be honest with you, um, because I'm growing and because I have more employees, I'm able to pull myself back. So like first year I started in business, I was working seven days a week. Then it went down to five. Yeah. Then this tax season, I only went to um, the office three days a week. Really? Yep. I remember being on calls with you sometimes. <laughs> you were there in the middle of the night, doing not even eating. Not eating. I grind, okay? I deserve. <laughs> Where, I'm, where I am, but no, you know, it, it is a situation where 
um, you know, in the beginning, I did what I had to do to get my business to where I needed to get it to. And so now I do have employees. And so I let them do their job and I do my job, which is to be the CEO. So this year, this two years. So every year I challenge myself. Mm -hmm. This year I'm going to go in the office twice a week. And that's the way. That's how you, you know, get to a point where you can actually scale your business and you can actually remove yourself. Because if you keep being there seven days a week, your your business is gonna going to uh, be dependent upon you mm -hmm. seven days a week. You know, so I'm up to three. This year I'm going to try out two. I love it. <laughs> so I got another question, right? We've heard from some great people, very powerful figures on the stage. What's been your biggest takeaway from these two days? Oh, I had a few takeaways. Um, so Steve Harvey was amazing, just inspiring. Um, just his communication about just not stooping down to levels. Like, I really do believe in that. I'm like, I'm not coming off my pedestal to meet you. So I've always been that way. And so hearing that and having confirmation, you know, as you, new levels, new devils. So, you know, as you, you know, gain more popularity and more wealth and all of those things, you do have your challenges. Um, but just hearing him say that and just hearing all his obstacles that he's been through has been amazing. Um, Tyler Perry was spitting some tax, some tax gems on everybody, letting them know that they need to take their taxes seriously and they need to hire the right people. So I love that. So can't wait to, um, you know, repost that on Instagram to let people know, right? Um, so he said that. And then the woman's panel. Um, I am at a point in my business where I feel like you have different phases in your business, right? I mean, in your, in your career almost, right? You have that. This is, this is the path that I feel like most entrepreneurs should take. Your first step should be, you know, saying, okay, I'm going to take this business. I'm going to make money from this business. After you do that, you need to take that money. And you need to invest that money, right? After you invest that money, then, you know, then you just keep duplicating and duplicating. And that's when you start getting that passive income where everybody make it seem on social media like you just wake up to, right? Um, so for me, I'm at a place now with the ladies panel they were just talking about all their investments in real estate. And so me, I'm big on execution, but for some reason when it comes to real estate, I'm very, I'm, I'm slow on it. I've invested with other people. So I've gone into a bunch of joint venture deals with people to invest in real estate, but actually me pulling the trigger, I have not done any deals myself. So now that panel has inspired me. Pinky's like, yeah, I own 18 properties here. Um, Milano's like, yeah, I just closed on a 21,000 square foot. I like that, that's bossy talk. I like that, I'm not gonna be left out of that conversation, you know, so I love it. And so for me, it really is a situation where now I have to, I have to do what I have to do. Mm -hmm. I have to, when, when it comes to real estate, and I've been telling myself this for like 10 years, right? So you can execute on one thing and be phenomenal on one thing, but then it could be that one thing, which is for me, which is real estate that I love. You just don't pull the trigger on. And so I'm going to practice what I preach and I'm going to execute. And yeah, so when they see me on the stage next time, I'm going to be like, yes, I have 18 properties, three office buildings, an apartment building, right? So that's, I love it. yeah. I love it. <laughs> Last question I got for you is, mm -hmm. Does success require separation? Hmm. I don't necessarily, um, in a way, it requires a degree of separation, but I am a person, I don't like the communication that you have to always separate yourself 100% because you achieve success, right? And I do feel like, so my biggest fear has always been to become very successful, have all this money and no one around me to share it with. Because it's easy it's, it's easy to happen, right? It, it's so easy for that to happen because you're busy, right? It's just you, you feel like, oh my God, nobody understands what I'm doing, nobody understands what's going on. But the reality is, 
But the reality is when you are growing your business, you still have a duty, in my opinion, to explain that to your family members, to explain it to your friends. For those who don't understand, yes, you have to get rid of them. But I have done a phenomenal job at keeping all my friends around, and it makes me happy. It makes me happy to be able to celebrate with them. Like, I have two of my closest friends with me here, my best friend, my really, well, basically two of my best friends here with me, and it means so much to me. Like, I'm able to give them that experience. And it's like, what if I was just rolling with a whole new crew? It's like, yeah, it's my whole new crew. It isn't like, okay, but it's, it just hits different. And I feel like you can have different sets of friends, and that's the problem. People look for their friends to serve every purpose. Your friends don't have to serve every purpose. You can have your business friends, you can have your fun friends, you can have your investment friends, you can have, you know, you can have your do-nothing friends. We just gonna go, we gonna do nothing, right? And so you can have friends for different things, and that's okay. The problem is that we are so consumed with success, like, Everybody has to be on business. Everybody has to do this. Everybody. What about your wellness friend? Maybe the friend is just zen. They gotta help you bring it down, you know? Mm -hmm. So it may be a situation where that's what, you know, that person is needed. So for me, I don't try to fit my friends into a box. I don't try to make my friends fit into a box. And it's a situation where I feel like people need to um, stop feeling like because they are going to be successful, they have to separate themselves. They do have to gain additional people in their lives, right? Because those people may have the connections or the network or the same mindset or, you know, certain things. But you don't have to get rid of people unless they mean you some malice, right? But. I could go on and on about this topic. You know I how I am when I'm passionate about. Yeah, yeah. Let's talk because yeah, let's talk about it on the podcast because I think that it's important because so many people we're so money focused that we have tunnel vision to money. But the reality is, if you really, really think about what makes you happy, and I know it's cliche, but it's not money. It may be the experiences, it may be the freedom, it may be certain things, but when you make your focus just money and you make it seem like you have to cut everything off, what happens is you become that person that you're like, a person got $60 million, why they jump off the building? Because they're unhappy. They're unhappy because they spent their entire life on work and then they woke up one day like, wow, my entire life has passed me by. I have all these awards and accomplishments and money, but you may be lonely. You may be miserable, you know, so you have to put what's important to you first. So, Mobile phone companies say they offer home Internet, but if their Internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone Internet, not home Internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox Internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home Internet. Cox is the real home Internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com slash internet for details. We have Mr. Craig Livingston. Uh, are you the CEO of Exact Capital? Managing partner. Managing partner and founder of Exact Capital. How are you doing today, Craig? Doing great, brother. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. So uh, I just have a few questions. Um, the first question would be, what would you say was your worst investment that you've ever done? The worst investment I've ever done, oh, man, well, we haven't had many losers. We haven't mm -hmm. actually had any losers. But the worst investment I've ever done was just an investment that had a lower return profile than, say, some other deals. But that particular project I'd done while we were learning, it still produced uh, what we call in our business an IRR, which is internal rate of return of about an 18, uh, which is that was probably, probably you know, pretty good by normal standards. But 
uh, for what we do um, that was just a little bit subpar. And what, what was your biggest lesson from that deal? Uh, biggest lesson from that deal is to control more aspects of how the deal is done. So, you know, in real estate development, uh, the biggest risk that you take is construction. Whenever you're developing something from the ground up, and in that particular instance, uh, there were some issues with the construction because, uh, long story, the site was contaminated. We had to take out a lot of contaminated soil out of the ground, and um, it and just the way in which the construction was organized up front uh, caused us to have an inadequate view of how much contamina contamination it actually was. But um, we got it out, got the project done, generated an 18 IRR, and still you know, had a successful project. Should have been a little more successful had we known. You know, in real estate, uh, I'll say this, in real estate development, there's no issue that you can't solve for. Mm -hmm. What you don't want are unknowns, mm -hmm. right? So, because when you organize a capital stack, you raise money to do a deal, mm -hmm. you have, you know, what you think is 100% of the capital you need to deal with 100% of the issues. But after you close on your financing, if a new issue pops up, it costs money to solve that issue. Mm -hmm. So, if you haven't discovered all of the issues during your due diligence, well, you have to pay for it somehow once that issue is discovered. When something happens to your kitchen, you might say, This is ludicrous. But that won't fix your home. That will only get you the rapper, Ludicrous. Having trouble? Don't panic. Don't be alarmed. You need to file a claim? Holla at State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. That's right. You can file a claim on the app or call us. Thanks, Mr. Chris. No matter how ludicrous the situation, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm, Bloomington, Illinois. So the second question, how do you guys continuously find great deals? What are the aspects and the numbers that you guys are running? Well, we find great deals because, um, you know, I'll say this. In business, you only make money by solving a problem, mm -hmm. right? So, you know, Elon Musk uh, makes money by solving a problem, which is providing energy, right? SpaceX is really a company that uh, sells uh, a, a system of, you know, uh, space travel mm -hmm. that allows uh, the government to use less energy by reusing the same type of rockets, right? Or if you think about Tesla, you know, he built um, cars to sell his batteries, right? The issue that we solve is housing, particularly housing security. Mm -hmm. So people need uh, good, clean, safe roof over their heads. In America today, we have about a 7 million unit deficit of housing. So we can continue to build for the next decade uh, pretty aggressively to satisfy that issue. So, you know, we're finding good deals because we go into markets where people need housing, particularly affordable housing uh, and other services that support, uh, you know, large-scale development. We like to transform communities in a responsible manner, do some mixed income, mixed use type of development, and really uh, create opportunities for local people, in particular minority people, to participate economically in what we do. Thank you. And the last question for me is, what does wealth mean to you, and what does it look like to pass it on? <laughs> so wealth is a uh, good question, man. Wealth is when you're making money without trying. Mm. Right? So when I'm sleeping at night, money's being made. When I'm here, you know, people are paying rent today. 
because they're living in my buildings. And uh, it's super important to generate wealth, but also to have generational wealth, right? Because our folks, our people, we were brought to this country to be exploited for our wealth a few hundred years ago. And by many measures, that same condition still exists. And it's not going to stop until we get on the right side of that wealth equation. So when we can start to be owners in our own community, be able to uh, support our children when they want to start businesses, support our family members when they want to uh, launch an economic endeavor, that's the type of wealth that matters. So if we can generate that, pass it on, we'll be in a much better situation. With my brother, Mr. My Ian Dunlap, a.k.a. the Master Investor. How you doing, my brother? Good, good to man. see you, man. Good to see you, man. Good to see you, too. I appreciate you. Yes, sir. So, to the BWR family. Thank you, my yeah. brother. So I got a few questions with the current economic situation that we're in, right? The first question is investing in an inflationary period. Mm -hmm. What is some of the best advice you can give to people while investing in an inflationary period? This, this is the number one reason why you need to invest, because when inflation hits, your money has to grow faster than the pace of inflation. Now quantitative easing stopped, and now things are ramping up really fast. You have to continue to invest and have your money work. We talked about it on the show yeah, we, before. We did. We did. You have to have your money working for you, or even with inflation, they're going to find ways to rob the value of your dollar. So you have to put it into real estate and stocks together so you can outpace that and then have the freedom that we all deserve. Speaking of that, I used, I started me an M1 uh, account with Two Tech to uh index, index thank you and i paired it with some reits i'm up 15 percent over the year my brother how do you man my guy <laughs> thank uh, you. so just thank wanted you to give you a shout out yeah. yeah i just wanted to give you a shout out on that um the next question is in an inflationary period about how much cash should you have on hand whatever is the emergency amount for you now if you're a parent husband your provider you have to know what that dollar amount is because when things hit the fan there is no safety net for us there's no excuses that are allowed. You said it before, you're either going to provide or you're not. Hmm. So whatever that dollar amount is that you know you can handle things for a few months. I know people say three to six, but you want to get to a place where you at least have a year saved up, whether it's cash or invested in the market. Because when things blow up, you need to still be able to, and let's be honest, as black men, mm -hmm. it's not just us, it's us, our kids, family members, their kids that we may have to help. So we normally need a little bit more cash on hand than the average investor or consumer would. I appreciate that. And the last question is, what is the best way for people to increase their income in this current time? You have to have a skill set that not many people on the world can do. So you have to build a business first, pair it with real estate and stocks together. And that's what I call the Holy Trinity. There's no way around it. People want an easy answer. Hey, I'm going to just buy this one thing. It's going to go up 5,000%. It worked well, maybe like for Ark and Kathy Wood, but even we've seen companies fall down 60%. You have to build a business, but it has to be unique. And I think every person knows, I was talking to a guy on the way here, and he's like, what should I do? And I'm like, you know what you want to do. We're afraid. Hmm. I used to be afraid. You were afraid, but you just have to drive and do that one thing. And once you combine the business and invest the business income into other assets, you'll be good. Appreciate you, my brother. Thank you, man. I love you ideally. Thank you, man. Love you too, man. Every episode, BWR, I love them dealing from the bottom of my heart. Watch every episode. They've been giving y'all gems forever. Yes, sir. I've been on y'all show. Thank you, man. And y'all tap into Market Mondays as well. MG, the mortgage guy. Matt, how you doing? Yo, man, I'm alive. I'm blessed. 
We at InvestFest 2022. Yes, sir. Black excellence. We're here in the vendor area, the marketplace right now. And yo, it's incredible, man. 300 small businesses just out here promoting their brands, talking to the people, and vending, right? Commerce, yeah. where culture and commerce meets, is at InvestFest. So I'm happy to be here. I'm happy to have you guys a part of this too, man. Hey man, thank you. The energy here is crazy. I'm loving it. Like you said, culture and commerce coming together, meshing together. And I got a few questions for you. Right. Um, since we are talking about culture and commerce, right? Most people think of getting mortgages the traditional way with a nine to five. You know, that's one of the easiest ways for you to get that. But if you are a business owner, what is some other options that you can get mortgages? Well, so there's plenty of options out there for self-employed folks, right? And what people, there's a negative connotation that goes around that is quote unquote harder to get a mortgage from being self-employed, and that's not correct. Conventional mortgages, Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, FHA, all allow self-employed borrowers. But obviously you have to show tax returns. How do they qualify the correct loan professional who can help them in whatever situation they're in? Oh, man, that's a great question, right? So I think the first thing is that person, the buyer, the, the customer, they need to be educated on real estate finance first and first. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details. Right? Because the more you know will make it easier for you to interview other loan professionals, right? And then you can weed out who's the right one for you based off their knowledge base because you know X, Y, and Z. And what I tell people is, bro, you don't need to know everything right you can know five things about real estate financing and ask each loan officer that you're interviewing those five five questions pertaining to those areas that you're very knowledgeable in and just see how they answer it and then from there you'll know like all right they know what they're talking about a little bit let me probably take a chance to work with them now obviously when you go into the process you know things could change but as long as you have the right expectations set from the beginning, you should be fine. Okay, and you mentioned those five things. We're all about action with Black Wealth Renaissance. So could you give us five things that they can kind of, you know, scout out for? Or does it differ situation between situations? Well, it depends on the situation, right? It depends if you're going FHA, conventional. It depends if you're doing one of these entrepreneur loans. It depends if you're buying investment properties, right? But I'll give you five things I think goes hand in hand with no matter what type of situation you're in. Okay. Number one, your mindset. I think we spoke about this when I was on your, your show a couple years ago, and it hasn't changed for me. Your mindset is the most important thing, right? You can't be an emotional home buyer. Real estate is a business, and you have to be CEO mindset, but you also have to be mature, and you have to be responsible, because this is something that's going to need work. It's going to need um, a certain level of maturity and responsibility because it's an asset that you have to manage, right? Um, number two, credit. If your credit won't get it, then you ain't gonna get nothing, right? You can't even get good insurance. 
car insurance these days without having good good credit, right? You can't even get certain utilities unless you got good credit. So your credit has to be there. Number three, your capital, right? You have to have money. Can't be house rich and cash poor. If you're not using your money, I mean, if you're not, if you don't have money, then you can always use OPM and use other people's money, right? But if you want to take other people's money and investors, you better make sure you have a plan and you give them back their money, right? Number four, I would say, is your knowledge, right? You need to be knowledgeable about the products that's out there, depending on your situation, right? You need to have um, do YouTube University, Google. You have books out there, House Hackonomics in stores right now, right? I got, I got a course on it. I got a book out right now. So you have to be knowledgeable about the situation. And number five, you got to be fearless. Don't have analysis paralysis. The problem with people is they, they overthink, right? InvestFest, where we are right now, this was birthed from a text message. The text message from Rasad was, I have an idea. And in that, that text message, we all got on a two-hour call, and we birthed InvestFest in two hours on a phone call. We incorporated the name. We got the LLC. We got the trademark started. We brought the domain name, and we had to run a show of what we wanted to do, right? And we executed, and we promoted it in six weeks. and had 4,000 people year one, and now year two, we have 12,000 people. We had... 190 business vendors last year. We have 300 this year. We had one stage last year. Now we have two. We have food trucks outside last year. Now we have a food court market, right? Execution, fearlessness. You can't overthink things. If you have an idea, you put it in the universe and you work towards it and God will make a way for you by hook or by crook. Hey, I appreciate that. I got one last question. And I'm going to give you your time back. So a lot of people are kind of, you know, worried and apprehensive with interest rates right now, right? So can we talk about how can you still, not even how can you, the action that you need to take, even though the interest rates are uncertain, we know that the Fed is doing what they can to combat inflation. How can they still be successful in buying real estate with the current interest rate? Oh, Rates are still low, right? I think people got too used to the pandemic years when rates were in the twos. That was a unicorn situation that will probably never happen again. But on average right now, as of this recording, the rates just dipped right back below 5% again. And there's other ways you can do to get your rate down lower. You could buy down the interest rate. You could do an adjustable rate mortgage. So there's things out there you can do can still get a low rate to make it affordable for you. But again, affordability is different from eligibility. So if you're buying a primary residence, you need to make sure you can afford the payment. I don't focus too much on rate. I focus on payment, right? And if you're buying investment properties, you need to make sure that you can afford that payment because your tenants ain't guaranteed to pay you nothing. But if you're doing investments, you got to run your numbers, right? And if, and if the interest rate's going from 5% to 6% is going to kill a deal, then it wasn't a deal from the beginning. You know what I'm saying? So, again, that brings back to the fourth step, I think I said, is knowledge. Understanding how to analyze real estate and know what makes a good deal from a bad deal. So the interest rates don't stop nothing, man. 
People been invested in real estate for 100 years. Interest rates been a whole lot higher before. Man, in the 80s, they were 16%. People still buying investment properties. Yes, was it cheaper? But also income was cheaper. Rent was cheaper, right? Yeah. It's all numbers. It's all relative, bro. So you got to make sure you're analyzing your deals at the highest level. I appreciate that. My guy, MG, the mortgage guy, InvestFest 2022. Y'all make sure y'all tap in and come out next year at InvestFest 2023. Peace. Appreciate you, my brother. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details. Some folks don't stop till they find the truth. June's Journey is a Roaring Twenties murder mystery hidden object game. Find your first clue by downloading June's Journey today. Available on Android or iOS devices and on PC through Facebook games. Who needs an alarm in the morning when McDonald's has sausage, egg, and cheese McGriddles and a breakfast cutoff? Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.